Hello everyone, I'm Dan Kurtzke, and tonight we're taking a look at Green Lantern Mosaic number 9, the John Stewart solo series from the early 90s. Issue 9, the halfway point in this this 18-issue run. Alright, so right into it. Uh, this is the Christmas issue. You know, John is holding a holiday party at his place, and and he invited a small number of representatives from a handful of cities from across the Mosaic... Keeping it small, keeping it limited to beings of you know the same relative size and atmospheric requirements, um, <laughs> you don't want to go too crazy your first time out, right? Uh, for John, it's a good exercise in diplomacy amongst the different species. Uh, it's a nice test to see how how receptive this smattering of them will be to the idea of spending several hours just hanging out in a room together. For Rose, though. It's important to keep with holiday traditions because that gives people a healthy dose of normalcy and comfort, which you don't really have in great amounts in this place, you know? It's actually, it's interesting because another comic I'm reading, The Walking Dead, takes the exact opposite approach. Characters actively try to avoid even thinking about holidays like Christmas because that would just serve to remind them how long it's been since they've been plucked out of their normal lives and homes. But things go pretty well, you know, despite some misunderstandings, everyone seems to more or less get along. A few of them even start kicking around the idea of holding a fair, where everyone brings a dish, and, and just using the option of trying new, unthinkable foods to help bring the Mosaic residents together. Now, that, that's actually a cool idea. I hope they follow up on that later. I'm gonna be looking for that. I'll be honest, this is the first issue of Mosaic that I didn't really like. I mean, when all said and done, it's really just another Christmas special with some mosaic window dressing. I'm, I mean, yes, it does get pretty existential in there, but it's still hovering around the norm. I mean, now granted, I came into this issue with baggage, as when a cover clearly advertises a Christmas issue, that evokes certain expectations. But still, if you've experienced a Christmas special in comics, on TV, and movies, you've seen this story before. You're troubled, you're far from home, you learn to appreciate what and who you have, you get a revelation of what the true meaning of Christmas really is. I mean, really, it seemed like Christmas was just a convenient excuse to continue giving us the message they were already giving us. Ultimately, the point of this issue is that holidays themselves don't so much matter as they're just showing us how we could and should be to each other all the time. The point of Christmas, the point of any holiday, is to be an excuse for us to be together and be good to each other. It's it's kind of like the point from last issue, where it doesn't matter what descriptive words we use to differentiate ourselves, because at the end of the day we're all just people. Christmas shouldn't be any more about goodwill towards your fellow man than any other day of the year. You know, February 14th is no more all about showing your love for someone than today is, and... And January 1st is just as much a fresh start as, say, May 3rd or something. It's it's not the day itself that's important. And I think John agrees with me. 
all throughout the issue, the different species share their holiday story, the fable that that's the root of their planet's winter celebration, and and every one of them is something of an incomprehensible mess. And John, after grappling with what Christmas really means, goes he goes to tell the aliens the story of Christmas and basically just makes it all up. Um, he cobbles together bits and pieces of different stories and holiday elements into kind of a stream of consciousness paragraph that sounds just as dumb as anything the aliens had said. And that's the point, because who cares how we got here? Since we're here, let's just be good to each other. Uh, kind of going with the theme of the Christmas star, there's a bit on the first page where John's thinking about what various members of his family told him about the star Sirius, um, which would flicker red and green, and each person had a different expl- explanation of why this happened. And he wonders how so many people could perceive the same things so many ways and and all be so off from each other, which has connotations for the holiday in general and for John himself, with his whole his whole struggle for his own personal identity. And beneath it all, the red flicker of the star makes him think of his wife, so his thoughts are with her on Christmas, and that's nice. Also, it's been a while since John's called himself God, so so all of page 15 is dedicated to John coming to the realization that he and Jesus and the main character from It's a Wonderful Life are all the same guy. Um, I might just have to scan that page. Uh, check the talkback thread for this episode. <laughs> Let's see what else. Remember seven issues ago when Chip and Salak came to John's place and Salak just sort of sat there being sad? Well, it turns out Salak hasn't moved, and he's still just sort of sitting there in the dark being sad, and and I would feel so bad for him too, except he occasionally says something that's so over the top I can't help but chuckle at his situation. At one point, Rose's son decorates him with Christmas lights, and it's just all sorts of depressing. Um, another nice callback was the open jar of nuts Chip was eating before he died. Um, it's still been sitting there, just like Salek, since issue two. John must not be a very clean guy. Alright, let's let's talk about the god-awful disappointment that is the art, okay? The, all right, now, the first page, page one, is done by Jim Ballant, and I wish to God that were true for the entire issue, because page one looked really, really good. Uh, unfortunately, the rest of the issue was drawn by Mark Beecham. Everyone is pretty much unrecognizable, except for the fact that they call each other by name a lot. You know, John looks like some random guy wearing a John Stewart costume. I don't know what kind of character sheets Beecham was given, but he appears to have just treated these characters like generic black guy, generic white woman, generic white child, etc. This has a lot in common with the villain artist on issue 6 in that by the end, I'm just used to looking at it, so it doesn't really bother me anymore. But that's really the best compliment I can give it. I also have absolutely no idea why they broke up the art chores to give page one to Jim Ballant. So if anybody has any theories, please let me know, because there doesn't seem to be a storytelling reason for it. The letters page is kind of unremarkable this time around, too. Um... Though there is one guy whose entire letter is, Regarding Mosaic 5, I'm sorry I called John a whiny loser. <laughs> um, uh, Gerard Jones mentions he's actually about to become a new daddy, and he might have to cut back on some writing, which 
Which makes me wonder, actually, if the rest of this series came out on time, or if there were any significant delays. But more than that, he mentions how doing the letters page makes him kind of want to skip ahead to certain plot points, such as as the follow-up to Chip's death, since everybody keeps chiming in about it and feels really strongly about it. You know, instead of just letting it come naturally like he was going to do, but... So those two factors led him to turning over the letter responding chores to someone else this time, and... As I said, unremarkable. Um, not much in the way of forum comments, either. We do have a voicemail, though. Hi, Paul uh, Murado calling about the most recent Mosaic. Uh, way, way uh, better in just the overall description. I want to say that it's been impressive to, to hear this one because of the so many different themes that were, I guess, what they were focusing on. And then your take on the the um, the Indian, also the bird people, very good. It just, it was an amazing episode too. I actually went uh, back to my mom's and I did find it. So it's all wrapped in plastic. <laughs> so I had to break them out, but um Good, good stuff. Good, uh, good thoughts. And I just wanted to give a kudos to that because I really had forgotten a lot. And I actually listened to your podcast before I read it, which is how I'm actually going to do this as I follow along. Because then I want to hear your thoughts and read it, try and take it in and see what I remember from the time. Because it was interesting when I picked it up. I think I was, I was probably uh, studying for some something or another, and. Uh, reading comics but then doing work and so I really wasn't as focused and it's funny how I kept it but never really opened it up again but I want to say thanks uh, keep the mosaic up good job this time way better uh, and I look forward to hearing more bye thank you Paul and thank you for the compliments and I'm glad you're enjoying the show that's actually something interesting to think about because I mean I knew going in mosaic isn't that widely known of a Green Lantern series. So there's going to be people whose first exposure to it are going to be this show, and I've I've already seen that, both through feedback and on the forums and whatnot. But something I hadn't really thought about until now is the fact that there's going to be some people out there, at least some, that are going to hear this and then read the issues. as. That is an interesting thought, because, like, I'm going into all these issues pretty much completely fresh. Like, I'm going in cold. I've never read or flipped through any of these things before I sit down to do the next issue for the next episode. And I honestly, I never know what to expect, so... So, I'm, it's hard for me to picture, like, what would it be like... What might this this book be like if I had somebody's somebody else's analysis of it to take in first. Would it change how I perceive the issue? Would it get me to those perceptions a little faster? Or, hmm, I might just try that for a future issue, you know? You know, look up, I don't know, issue 11 or something and go on the internet to try and find, find somebody's, like, written analysis of it, which, because there, there must be one out there somewhere, and just take that in before I read the issue and see, see if it colors my thinking at all, if, 
Although, if you want to get all mosaic-y about it, how would I even know if it if it changed my perception of the issue, since I'll be taking away my own ability to know what my perception of the issue would have been if it was untainted. Ooh. Uh. Man. <laughs> uh, awesome. Okay, um. We also have an email that comes from... Craig Skinner. Uh, he wants to know what is that crazy Renaissance ambience you have at the beginning and end of Mosaic issues? I'm gonna assume he's talking about the theme music for the show. That is well. First, let me say I try to take great care in picking out theme music for this Mosaic spinoff because I want something. Once I've realized what a unique flavor, I'll say, that this comic has. I wanted something that would kind of reflect that to open and close it. So oh, I spent like about a week or so just kind of searching out the perfect music. You know, I tried I tried tailoring it towards Jon Stewart's own musical tastes, which get referenced here and there in the issues. I Then I just started trying to like hunt around randomly in different places and websites. But something to know about me is that I'm not really big into music in general, so I was flying completely blind. So one day, I just after after like I said about a week of having no real luck, I just said screw it. I'm gonna see what happens when I just type the word mosaic into the search bar of a free fair use music website, and I got two results, and one of them was the Faust recycled. Mosaico di Constructivista Remix by the Monos. And, and you know, I think I'll actually play the entire uncut version to close this out this time. Alright, so speaking of which, you, know, you can send any feedback to dan at lanterncast.com or lanterncast at gmail.com or you can call us at 206-202-1159 or you can go to thecomicforums.com and talk to us there. We're, we're constantly posting all day, every day. Or go to our Facebook page, find us on iTunes, whatever, lanterncast.com. It's all great. Uh, so yeah, halfway point, everybody. Wow. This is half over. That just hit me. God, this is, all, this is awesome. It's going to be... It's going to feel great when it's done because we'll have, we'll have accomplished this whole thing, but at the same time <laughs> it's, it's going to be like, well, what now? Ah, well we'll, well, we'll think about that in nine issues. Bye!